Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. That was was shooting a shot? Yeah. I missed it, though. You missed it? I know. Even in my dreamland, I missed it. Hello. How How are you? you? (laughs) I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to see you. We're taping on this on Saturday night. Here in Santa Monica, California. Hope everyone's had a uh, good start to the year. It's obviously been a very wild start to the year. A lot of unforeseen things happening, some craziness in the world. So hopefully you all have time to cozy up to a nice glass of wine or a bottle of wine and see some friends and hang out with people you care about. We got to celebrate the small pleasures. Absolutely. Every single day. Absolutely. You just never know. We've had a wild week. We're excited to talk about that excited to do a little tease for next week's episode and then um we're doing another spotlight got some nice feedback from our spotlight sangiovese so we're doing another spotlight on a varietal which is tonight going to be grenache and what's the wine that we're drinking tonight Catherine? super excited about this wine tonight gorgeous wine gorgeous label gorgeous winemaker i mean who wouldn't be happy if i said that nice good looking dude Whoa, this, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying that, you know. I'm just saying, you know, I'm all around really super excited about stalking, this wine. Stalking Instagram. <laughs> I'm I, all over. I'm all over the social media accounts. I'm on Facebook. I have and- met Scott Schultz, okay? Like six years ago, there's nothing going on there, but he's a great winemaker. So this is Jolie Laid is the name of the winery. California. Grenache from Provisor Vineyard in Dry Creek Valley, Sonoma County, California, vintage 2017. Jolie Laid is a fantastic, very small production winery made by winemaker, as I said, Scott Schultz, who was formerly working with Pax Molly, a prolific winemaker who actually was the winemaker for a wine that we talked about a couple episodes ago, the uh, Monte Rio Zinfandel Rosé, white Zinfandel. And this wine is delicious. I will tell you my own personal story of Grenache, but tonight I am completely taken with this wine. Jolie Laid, these wines are not necessarily easy to get. They are allocated and they appear in not just California market. You know other markets as well, but there's they're just super small production. But we're going to be talking about Grenache in a lot of different forms. And so wherever your local wine store is, you'll be able to get a unique bottle of Grenache and think about it, talk about it, get with us tonight. All right, so excited to delve into Grenache a little bit more later on. But first of all, I want to thank everyone who entered the contest, our first contest. We'll be giving away two bottles of wine to some lucky listener. We love seeing the reviews, the ratings, subscriptions. Please continue to do that. It's great for us to see who's out there. We love communicating with you all. And we look forward to having another contest in the spring. But we have a winner. I took out all the reviews. I put them in my hat. I had Catherine pick him out of the hat. We taped it to verify it. It went to Price Waterhouse Coopers, who also uh, you know adjudicates the Oscars, the Emmys, and uh, we have a winner, Catherine, who is the inaugural winner of our contest. The winner is Clarice. Congratulations, Clarice. Thank you for being such a dedicated listener, for being so enthusiastic, and for loving wine. We cannot wait to send you two bottles. And please take pictures or videos of yourself, like enjoying the wines, listening, and so everyone can see how fun it is. Yes, this is a goal of ours. We want to drink with you all, you know, 
responsibly, of course, but enjoy some great wines with you. Thank you again for sending uh, the reviews. Keep the reviews coming. The ratings it means a lot to us, so thank you. Now, it's been a week for us. Catherine and I traveled. We went to San Francisco by ourselves without kids oh my gosh was that this week feels like a year ago that was amazing we've only left our children for one night ever and so being away for two nights was scary but also such a luxury and they did great brando was like i'm sorry but there was no crying they didn't say i need you i miss mom i was like that's great that's wonderful like they're so happy secure like perfect and we just had fun and had quiet and got to hang out and be up past 9 p.m and sleep till 7 45 it was barely barely up past nine let's let's not lie we're in bed by 10 10 30 which was for sure but it was super fun to just be a little bit free you know like your schedule a little bit looser than the first thing that i said to you when i noticed that the difference between having kids and not having kids was the packing and the traveling in the airport oh yeah just like to carry one bag where i'm usually like a packed camel it's incredible i felt like i was like doing a a soft shoe dance through lax it was just such a pleasure to walk nothing strapped to my back well i feel that way when i'm like the whole flight You're just sitting there reading or just like dozing off, sipping on your sparkling water. We sat in the exit row. Yeah. Got a little extra leg room, which I can't do with the kids. I mean, these are all things you just... It was like... You forgot when you were like, you know, know, married without kids or single. What a luxury. Yeah. Incredible luxury. We can both agree that we we stayed for two days and two nights. We probably could have done one more day and one more night. Definitely. So maybe that's the, the next test for us. But for me personally, great to be back in San Francisco. It's a place where I lived when I graduated college. I lived there early on. Talk about this more in an episode that we've already taped because Catherine and I did our first, uh, this is a tease for next week's episode. I'm putting it together. We interview the owners of another bottle shop slash wine bar in Oakland, California. The establishment is called Bay Grape and it's owned by Josiah Baldovino and Stevie Stacionis. Those will be our guests, our first guests ever on the show. We had a great conversation. Oh my God, it was so fun. Their so place much fun. is rocking. It's such a cool bottle shop. Their whole perspective on wine is so cool. They have a three-year-old, so they're navigating that. They were just the perfect guests. And hopefully it's the first of many interviews that we do over the course of 2020. Very excited about that, but San Francisco was so much fun. Um, we did a lot of eating and drinking as Catherine and I are want to do when we are traveling. That's kind of a way we see the city. We went to the Riddler for some champagne, which was fantastic. They have one in New York as well, which I also love. And then we went to a place I've always wanted to go to, State Bird Provisions, which was super fun. That was fantastic. Don't steal my thunder, but it is my inspiration on that guest episode next week. So wait for the excitement. I walked by the apartment that I used to rent in the North Beach Russian Hill area, which, which was quite a trip. Uh, forgot how hilly. I mean, the hills are real in San Francisco, and you forget that when you take a couple years away. You know, I like to think of myself as not being nostalgic as a person, but I really am. And so as soon as I got into that area, it just like sort of flooded back. It was so tough to park in the neighborhood where we lived, which is like the North Beach Russian Hill, basically right above the Broadway tunnel that we used to park on the sidewalk. And traffic cops wouldn't ticket you because it was just so tough. It was crazy. Sometimes they would, but it wasn't like every night occasion. Just all those kind of uh, those memories flooded back to me it was really fun to be back and you know and remember how great the restaurants are i mean i actually didn't appreciate when i was 22 24 years old um how great the restaurant scene was in san francisco so i think i probably appreciate the city more now than when i was you know 22 but um i don't know it's really fun to be back but I do want to circle back to San Francisco for for one reason, uh, just to bring a conclusion and a recap on the um, 
experience you had pouring wines at Francis. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the whole reason we went. Yeah. Because I was going to pour wine at a restaurant called Francis, owned by Chef Melissa Perillo, who just opened a restaurant in Los Angeles called M. Georgina, which is fabulous, by the way. If you haven't checked it out, it is so beautiful and the food is stunning. It's totally worth the trip downtown if you live on the west side and if you live on the east side it's right there and it's so good and if you're coming to la you should put it on your list for reservations absolutely i believe, I believe it had some recent reviews in the la times that were, that quite, were really quite phenomenal good, so yeah she has three restaurants now and her first restaurant francis was celebrating 10 years of being open which is like basically 60 years in restaurant years and she was doing all these dinners with female chefs and female wine professionals and so she invited me to come up and do a dinner with female chef Kim Alter of Nightbird in San Francisco, who also happened to work with Chef Jeremy Fox, super small world. And I was thrilled. I was so honored to be part of that. And it was so cool to be in a room with so many women and just there was like a chill air and... um so calm and I don't know that dining room would just felt like her home and the food was so delicious I don't know it was stellar it was an awesome night and you did something very unique and interesting I think um the photographer Molly and I were impressed that you were able to pair make such good pairings without even tasting the food well that you were you were guessing about the pairings they were still preparing the menu late into our run in San Francisco and so you were just sort of saying I this is my guess on what's going to pair well can you talk a little bit more about you know, how you made that math work? I mean, I got to say, probably I'm talking about most wine professionals when I say this. Nine times out of 10, I don't get to taste the food. I have no idea. I'm going off what I think will pair really well with it. I'm looking at each ingredient. I'm talking to the chef about what it's like. If I work with that chef, which is most of the time if I'm doing a pairing here, like with Chef Jeremy Fox or Jessica Liu at Esther's or Chef... Brian Ng at Casilla or something, I know their food really well. You know, like pairing with that is like when they describe a menu dish to me, I can kind of imagine what it's going to be like. But if I'm pairing with a chef like I've never worked with, that is new territory. That's hard. And so I'm looking at wines on their list that they have at their restaurant. I'm looking. Uh, luckily, I have eaten Chef Melissa Perlo's food before, so I knew that. That's how it worked, right? You, you were able to look at the wines. You were able to choose from wines that they already had in their inventory, but you also had to cost it out, right? So you, it wasn't like you had unlimited resources. As, exactly. No, I, I still have a budget and I'm using the wines from mostly from their list and some a few other wines that they had. And they also had their other restaurant, Octavia. So I could use wines from that list as well. And they, they're great wine lists. You know, it was great to choose from, but it is a lot of imaginative work. And that's what it usually is. And so, but the fun thing for me this time was like, I got to taste all the dishes and try all the wines together with it. So sometimes there are moments in the past when I have not gotten to taste the dish and the pairing together. So I don't, I had to just trust customers. I didn't really know if it ended up working out. It's so, so not satisfying at the end. Like this time it was great because I got to be like, oh, that pairing was good. Or, oh, that one was 
awesome. You know, I it was fun. And I, you just hope the goal for me is always like, all right, I hope 80% is great. I can deal with 20% being like, eh, but 80% is great. And of that 80%, I hope there's one pairing that is just out of the park, you know? So what were your, what were your thoughts on that night? I agree. I hit it. I felt like they were all really good. And then and what, were... you did well. You did really well. I, I appreciate Chef Melissa um, allowing me to eat with the group and it was fun to watch the service. And um, all the dinners, all the 10 dinners are, they go to charity. So it was a great cause, great energy in the room. It was a lot of fun. It was just a pleasure to be back in San Francisco. So kudos to you, Catherine. Thank you. And now let's let's get into the wine. Let's get into why we're here, or one of the reasons why we're here, which is to drink some great wine together. And I'm excited to hear about your Grenache tales because I know you as a person that when we first met and got into wine, as a person who did not really enjoy Grenache. I did not. Grenache, to me, I could smell it a mile away. It always has this macerated strawberry thing. It still does to me, always. I can kind of like... In a blind tasting, I can nail Grenache every single time. But I just could not, like, that's all that would go into my head when I was drinking it. And it just, you know, I still bought it, but I wasn't really enjoying it. And then when I got pregnant for the first time, I don't know what it was. I liked that. I definitely liked red wine that had sweeter fruit notes to it and a little bit higher alcohol, a little bit more body. So yeah, you know, because I was drinking all the time when I was pregnant. That's a joke. I didn't drink at all. I hated wine. Um, I still had to taste wine. Or the, well, what's the exact reason why you didn't like it beforehand? Because, I mean, you always talked about the mastered strawberry thing. You yeah. It's like too sweet or something. Yeah, like- just that, that sweet, sweet fruit I didn't like and also Grenache a lot of times when it was from California it was too hot too much alcohol for me I did not like that I don't like in general I don't like wine with a ton of alcohol I like lower alcohol wines so that was that too but I don't know it was just this aversion to that particular grape variety I know everybody else out there has a grape variety that's not their favorite and you can probably smell it a while a mile away too so you know what i'm talking about can we go into a little more of a generalization of grenache can we talk about where it's mostly grown in old world and new world so yes. we can learn a little bit more about the, the varietal grenache is super cool i mean unlike sangiovese that we were talking about a few weeks ago that's so specific to italy grenache is in a lot of places it's actually origins are in spain believe it or not. And you will see Grenache in Spain called Garnacha. Very rarely, sometimes Alicante. But there's tons of Grenache in southern France in the Rhone Valley. Tons of Grenache in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. And then there's also Grenache in the United States, Washington, and also for sure California. There's Grenache in Italy, primarily in Sardinia, Sicily, Calabria. In Sardinia, it's called Cananao. And then there's also Grenache in Australia. There's just Grenache in a lot of places. You have Grenache Gris, and then you have Grenache Noir. Grenache Blanc, Grenache Noir. So you could have white Grenache, but Grenache Gris is technically a different grape variety. So Grenache Noir can make rosé, some fuller-bodied, richer rosés. It can make rich, full red wines, but that are always like kind of this delicate translucent red when you look at them in the glass. And then it can also make dessert wines. There's a couple of little regions just on the border of France and Spain, Banyuls, Maury, that make just stunning fortified wines from Grenache Noir that are just like amazing with chocolate. Um, I think we're going to have one of them on Valentine's Day, a Maury that I love on Valentine's Day at Esther's. And actually, this is 
fun too. I poured a sparkling wine made from Garnacha at the dinner last week at Francis. It was actually a cava made from Garnacha, which I never had before ever. So that's pretty cool too. So it's versatile. Anyway, most of the time you're going to see it as a red. And you, and a lot of times you'll see it in a blend, right? Absolutely. And you won't know you're seeing it. When you see Chateauneuf de Pop, it's definitely going to be in there, but you don't know how much. It could be 100%. could be 50. I mean, you don't know. But GSM, Grenache, Syrah, Movedra, people talk about that as a very typical blend from Southern France. And when you're tasting Grenache, let's talk about the generalizations of Grenache, but also go into the specifics of the wine that we're having tonight. So generally speaking, you get that sort of sweeter fruit that stewy or macerated strawberry thing i talked about whenever i think about grenache and it's because of you i always think of macerated strawberry (laughs) that's all all, i think about all the time but this but there's more too it could be cherry raspberry that sweet berry fruit maybe some plum and then to me there's always um dried herbs maybe oregano or thyme but also in Grenache a lot of the time there's some citrus either like blood orange or ruby red grapefruit I always get that orange thing especially in Rhone wines in Grenache from the Rhone Valley especially but on this wine tonight too sometimes there's like leather or licorice tobacco those are especially in um, wines from the Rhone Valley and then spices because there's generally oak aging with Grenache you might have like cinnamon and that little bit of that toasty oak sometimes but it's just really a grape variety that has so much when it when it's at its most complex there's so much that we could talk about in terms of structure basic it's dry unless we're talking about that sweet wine it's medium to full bodied it's got medium tannins it's got medium acid and it's usually higher alcohol now this wine tonight is not high alcohol it's only 12.5 but i think a lot of grenaches are like maybe around 15 but when we talk about the acid being medium the tannin medium that's just so appealing to so many people grenache i think is more friendly more popular than cabernet sauvignon cabernet sauvignon is popular because we're here in california and we have this history of loving cabernet sauvignon from napa or paso but grenache is i think it's friendlier for sure. And this wine we're having tonight, you said, is allocated because it can be hard to get for a lot of people. But Grenache in general, often considered more approachable and more affordable than uh, other reds in the area? Well, it can be. The most expensive Grenache is from Chateau Reyes or Domaine de Pacao, which are Chateauneuf de Pop producers, and those are pricey. So don't go looking for value there. But there are other producers in the Rhone or Certainly an alternative to Chateauneuf de Pop is Gigondas. Way more Grenache in that wine. A great alternative to Chateauneuf de Pop. Other areas in the Rhone Valley, more Grenache and a lot of value there. And then certainly in Spain too. But not all Spain, Priorat, which is like the fancy, more expensive, more bold wine to age. Those wines have a lot of Grenache in them as well, Grenache and Carignan. So, so it just speaks to the uh, the, the, the versatility and range, range of the variety. We, we've had a Grenache at Esters that's like in our cheap and cheerful section or a happy hour red that's Grenache that's fabulous. 
And then we'll have a Chateauneuf de Pop that's also fabulous and not cheap. Well, that's cool. <laughs> you know, so it yeah. is really a versatile grape variety. We talked about a lot of things that notes that you might get in the nose or the flavor profile. You might get 20 in the complex, intense wine, and you might get like six in the like more simple wine and be so happy with that. It is really versatile. It's for all budgets, all nights of the week. So let's speak more on the wine that we're having tonight. So let's talk a little bit more about this. You're making a face this like- wine is so yeah, good. Making a face of it's like so it's, elegant. You're, you're loving it's it. so pretty. It's such a pretty, pretty version of Grenache. Of course, I get the macerated strawberry, raspberry too. Do you? And cinnamon, big time cinnamon. So can we re- recap a little bit? Uh, I know you said some of these things in the beginning, but can we re- recap the wine? Where's it grown, etc.? Yes. So this is made by Scott Schultz of Jolie Laid Wines. He sources grapes and he sources grapes from vineyards that are well he likes to call them oddball grapes from unexpected sites this is from from provisor vineyard which is just outside healdsburg it's in the dry creek valley ava and it's three acres so it's really small organically farmed and it's crushed by foot fermented whole cluster it's aged in all old neutral french oak for 10 months and that whole cluster just means like instead of the berries being individually picked off they're fermented with the stems and so often that will give a textural element this wine has that silky soft texture but also it contributes earthy tones which for California Grenache is really important because California grapes get so much sun and produce lots of fruity notes but we can use all the help and the earthy notes that we can get and so when we're talking about crushed by foot you're putting these bunches of grapes in a barrel and someone is in there stepping it's just the on them ball. with or their it's feet like, or... exactly it's certainly more fun a lot of love going into that making that you know but it's just more gentle Alex Allocation. This is something I'm actually excited to talk about for another episode, but allocation is what? Let's talk about that. An allocation is when a wine, there is only a limited amount of a wine, and it's sort of pre-reserved for certain people, certain, in my world, restaurants that have either worked with that winery in the past or have done a certain amount of business with that company or a restaurants of a certain caliber or just historically have always gotten it. It's just kind of like a reservation of an amount. And allocations are made when there's really small production on the wine. If a wine, if there's tons of production doesn't need to be allocated because then everyone can have some but these wines are really small production scott always has new projects every year and he just doesn't make a ton of wine which is cool so when you're getting a bottle you know it's super special how many bottles were allocated to esters well we got a case of this wine but we're getting another one so you have two cases yeah so great there's 23 bottles of this wine <laughs> At Estrus, so come grab it. We're, we're drinking one tonight. Now, uh, as far as the, the farming practices, you want to talk a little bit about what he does? So, it, these are organic, but as I said, he um, sources grapes. He actually, his background is in restaurants. He grew up in Chicago and then and worked as a wine buyer, some wine director, and then he moved to Las Vegas and then moved to Napa, and then he started interning and fell in love with 
winemaking. And so he has a real sense of wine from a wine taster's perspective or a wine seller's perspective as well. But of course, he's basically like finding the best fruit he can and then trying not to mess it up. Paying attention, doing minimal intervention. The farming has always got to be excellent. He's got to have excellent grapes. And Provisor Vineyard is farmed organically and really small. Like I said, three acres, that's small. And it's in Sonoma County, correct, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I will say is that Julie Lay, they take great care in their labels. I mean, it's something that you and I talk about a lot of times, especially in the retail sense. Labels are beautiful, they're fun, but there's a lot of great art, and I think they really pop. I think there's something that you would be excited to take home or take to a gathering if you could get, you know, a bottle. They are beautiful. They're all really beautiful, and it's every single year. But every single year, they're different. It's not like you're going to find this Grenache with the same label every year. And this year... He used art from an Oakland art school. It's just really fabulous. But all of the bottlings from this year are really cool. Jolie Lay, the meaning is like pretty ugly. It's a euphemism to describe kind of unconventional beauty. Uh, I like that idea, but I do think the wines are just beautiful. They're not, there's yeah, no like, unconventional beauty. They're yeah, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. But he does have a passion for art and music. And so. That hence the labels. He's really excited about doing something special every year. That's very cool. Pairings. Food pairings. Now, you're the wine pairing expert. What do you think goes well with this bottle of wine we're having tonight? Definitely some stewy meats, braised meats of any kind, and then also spices. Grenache has always been the perfect red wine for cassia because... The food is really spicy. It has so many flavors, so many spices, so much intensity. So you can't have a wine with high tannin because the tannin conflicts. Cassia, again, being a French Vietnamese bistro. Correct. So like Moroccan flavors or really spiced Mediterranean flavors or this Southeast Asian bistro, those kind of intense flavors but that call for a red wine Grenache is perfect, especially this version of Grenache, which isn't super high alcohol and really elegant, but still delivers that richness that someone who wants a fuller bodied red would want. It's kind of a special will please everyone kind of thing. Cheese charcuterie? Definitely the charcuterie because especially in southern France, a lot of times you get that like prosciutto or like smoked meat or dried meat character with Grenache. It's just like I kind of made for that. And if you, obviously we know this wine that we're having tonight is hard to get, so it might be difficult to get in places outside of LA, New York, etc. But ways to go and get introduced to Grenache or good Grenache, um, how would you go about doing that? Every wine store is going to have different versions of Grenache. And if it were me, I would do a study and have fun with it. Find a Grenache from the United States. Find a Grenache from France. Find a Grenache from Spain. If you can, find a Cannonau or Grenache from Italy. If you can, find a Grenache from South Australia. Have a party. Have your friends over and taste them. Grenache from around the world. We've done tastings like that at Esther's. It's super fun. It's just neat to taste. You could, We'll taste that through line through all of them. Macerated strawberry. But you'll taste the place too. How they're all a little bit different. If any of you out there have a Grenache party, would you please, 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 please send pictures to us? We, we would love to 
uh, see if this makes it out into the world. I mean, incredible. Now, we have a friend who loves Grenache. Tommy Dewey loves Grenache. Yes, my good friend and Tommy he, Dewey. If he doesn't have a party, then, well, I'll eat my shorts. Yeah, Tommy, if you're listening to this, you better have that Grenache party, and you better send us pictures so we can post it on the long finish. As we said to you before, if you are uh, drinking any of the wines out there or drinking any wine at all, don't be afraid to send us a picture, you know, Instagram at the long finish, Twitter at, at TLF pod or the long com, the long finish on Facebook. Let us know you're drinking some great wines, having some fun drinking. And if we can help provide uh, areas or places where you think you would like to go to uh, try wines that are small producer, family run businesses, we'd love to introduce you to wine stores in your area. You've done a full 180 on Grenache. I have, but I have to say, if I was drinking this Grenache, I think even my old self would have appreciated would this. Would you blind this as Grenache? Yeah. You would. Just because the macerated strawberry, you can't avoid it. I'm sorry, but every time I'm going to get it. Every time. The blood orange is here too, though, right? Oh, yeah. Or orange rind. Oh, yeah. So grab yourselves a bottle of Grenache and see if, you, um, if you're out there trying to get into the wine world or just doing it for fun. If you if you can smell the, the macerated strawberry, which is basically just like pummeled strawberry, orange rind, blood orange. See if you smell the things that Catherine uh, and I are, are smelling. And if you're out to a super fancy dinner and you're not sure what to get, but you want to try Grenache or you're on your expense account or someone else is paying and they have Chateau Rias, please buy that. I have an anniversary coming up, Catherine, if you want to get that for me. It's your anniversary? <laughs> yeah anniversary of being married to you mm. <laughs> okay so let's get into the final portion of the evening which is what is inspiring us this week i'm gonna go first and ladies and gentlemen i don't talk about this much on the podcast but i also work as an actor and writer in hollywood california and in new york i was lucky enough to work on a show earlier this month uh there's a show called Blackish on ABC that's very successful, uh, half-hour comedy that's been running for a few years. They now have a spinoff show called Mixedish. It's about a family of a mixed race that are living in the 80s and trying to deal with the trials and tribulations of growing up um, with a white dad and a black mom. And it's very funny. And I was lucky enough to work on the show as an actor and able to work with an actor I've long admired, Mark Paul Gosselar, who if you don't know him, if you watch Saved by the Bell at any point in the 90s, he played Zach Morris. He's done many different things, NYPD Blue, Pitch, Franklin and Bash. Just a great, a great guy. Had a great time working with him. And I'm always touched when actors that you've kind of seen on your television for such a long time are just really good people. And I found Mark Paul to be um, that, that guy. I thought he was really nice. I had a lot of fun working on the, the, the outfits. All were all period, all 80s. They're fantastic. Check out my Instagram at Tug Coker if you want to see some of the wardrobes I'm putting on Instagram. And that episode airs on Tuesday, February 11th. Uh, on ABC, and then it airs on Hulu after that. So I um, hope you'll check it out. Uh, I think the episode is called This Charming Man. It's a plug. This is a full plug, but you know what? You got to be grateful anytime you get on network TV. So I hope you check it out. And like I said, I'm just inspired by people that work in the profession of entertainment and are very good people. So shout out to Mark Paul Gosselar and also Tika Sumter, who is the, the co-star on the show. Very nice. Very cool. So that's me. Catherine, you have anything? Yeah. So this week, my inspiration is Matt. Master Sommelier Brian McClintock. He was in the movie Somme, all the whole series of Somme. He has a wine club called Viticole or Viticole. And I've met I met him years ago when he came to Astros, was doing a tasting and then a couple times since. And Brian's wine club 
he has a wine club that's been um, just organic wines from around the world, but he just made the switch recently to focus only on regenerative agriculture, which is intense. It's really hard to find vineyards, wineries that are practicing this form of agriculture. And I think it's so exciting that a master sommelier is taking that leap and going full on 100% for the planet. I'm also inspired by him because as I'm trying to learn more about this in wine, I'm messaging him on Instagram and we're having conversations and he's guiding me towards people and wineries and help and taking the time to share information with me in that way. And I so appreciate it. Like I personally don't have aspirations to become a master sommelier, but in my mind, the master sommelier should be the great teacher, the great mentor, the great helper to all the people in the wine industry who want to learn more. And right now for me, he's showing me that and he's leading the way in a new way, in an exciting way that I think wine is going and I'm inspired. That really is exciting, and we're hopeful to have uh, Brian on the show later this year. But if you follow him on his Instagram, which we'll post on the long finish, you'll see all the, the things he's doing to try to change the landscape for wine and how, how you should be looking at the wines that you're bringing into your house and restaurants, etc. So thank you for that. And that's it. Catherine, we did it. Woo! Episode 18 is in the books. Thank you to everyone that continues to listen to our show. We really appreciate it. We have so much fun making the show. So like I said earlier in the episode, if you had a chance to review, rate, and subscribe to the show, let us know you're out there. It would mean so much to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and Catherine Wild Coker on Facebook. And you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. You can find The Long Finish on Twitter at TLF pod you can find me on twitter and instagram at tug coker thank you again to everyone for listening hope you go out and get yourselves a bottle of grenache this week make sure you take a picture and let us know how it tastes to you and we hope to be back with you next week with an all-new episode of long finish and until then happy drinking ciao